0: I want to thank you for making yourself available for another conversation. My name is Manny Dela Cruz, and I want to welcome you out to Manny Talks. Today, I bring you the story of Tyler Hartfield. He is a recent petroleum engineering graduate. And a member of Nesby, which is where I first heard about Tyler's story. About a year ago, I saw a posting from Nesby on their Instagram page where they do this every semester along with other organizations where they start to highlight some of their recent graduates and they post these awesome, amazing graduation pictures and they give you a little bit about their story. So when I saw Tyler's story, what caught my attention was just the nature, the non-traditional nature of his story. And you heard me say earlier, he's a petroleum engineer. And if you've been paying attention to anything that's been happening right now with COVID-19, you know that the oil and gas industry is a very tough nut to crack right now, almost impossible. And so I wanted to sit down with Tyler to kind of talk about his journey and then kind of talk about where he's at with everything that's going on right now. And look, this thing does, I'll give you right now a heads up. Uh, this doesn't provide much solutions on that uh, on on bridging the gap between his degree and some opportunities. However, I think it's still worth hearing his story because it has some very inspiring components to it. And in general, you know me, I like sharing these stories because I think we can all benefit from uh, uh, meeting each other and learning from each other's situations. So again, as always, thank you for making yourself available. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for those of you. That have continued to ask me about the uh, episodes or continue to uh, listen to them, even though the gap between episodes has gotten longer and look, that's just a product of the uh, current situation. So with that, I really, as always hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed making it. <laughs> Hey, Tyler. Welcome to the Manny Talks podcast. Again, man, I want to thank you for making yourself available tonight. I know you just got off of work, and so you got off of work, and here you are an hour later setting some time aside and letting me steal some of your uh, your dinner time, man. So how are you doing?
1: <laughs> man, I'm, I'm great, man. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I know we've been messaging back and forth uh, here for a couple months, man. So uh, no, it's good to, to finally get on the phone with you.
0: And so, uh, as I as we just talked right here in the pre conversation before we started recording, like I am excited about hearing your non traditional story. Every time uh, I hear of a of a non traditional story, having been there myself, I always want more 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 and more people to hear different versions of what it looks like to get into college and do an, 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 an engineering degree in this case without uh, typically following the traditional space so let's go ahead and get get going right. man and so let's keep it let, let's start with something simple man how do you uh introduce yourself uh when you meet somebody at a party <laughs> tell me about yourself
1: um so uh my name is tyler hartfield i recently graduated from uh university of north dakota uh, i like to say i'm a i'm a petroleum engineer doing my best impersonation of a crane operator <laughs> <laughs> i uh so I've been, I've been running cranes uh, since 2010 um, and actually been in school since 2009. Uh, so it was a pretty long road, um, about 10 years to, uh, to graduate. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been working you know, in the oil and gas industry and now in the construction industry and um, got my degree and, and now I'm ready to uh, kind of transition out of the crane and hopefully into an engineering role.
0: Perfect, man. So where, where are you from? Like, where'd you, where'd you grow up?
1: Uh, so I actually grew up right outside of Houston in uh, Missouri city.
0: Okay. Yep. And you're here and you, you, uh, got siblings or tell me a little bit about what was, what was it like growing up? What'd your parents do? Right. That, that kind of thing.
1: Right. Yep. So, uh, originally I'm from Nebraska. Um, I, I spent most of my childhood, uh, in Missouri city. I think we moved, moved there when I was probably in like fourth grade or so. Um, but just moved down there with my, uh, with my mom and dad, uh, And with my brother, my sister, she's older. She had actually, she was grown at that point uh, when we made the move. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, brother's two years older than I am. Uh, Pretty typical childhood for the most part. I mean, just growing up there in Missouri City, playing sports growing up, um, you know, just a regular kid,
0: you know. So you threw it in there, right, kind of subtly. You said, hey, I'm a a crane operator, which also was something that piqued my interest, given my background, right? You're a crane operator, you know. Or uh, would you say you're you're a petroleum engineer pretending to be a crane operator? So that's let's right, start. Yeah. L- let's talk about that, right? Because that's been a huge part of your life for for quite some time. And in itself, and I want to make sure that 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 you know we we that the listeners hear just the progression, right? Because I'm looking and not to get the punchline away, but you, it's not like you've just been one in one level of responsibility and, and kind of kept it that way. You've kind of Progressed in this career, and I'm gonna you 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 had a career, and we're building a career before you even decided to go to school. So I want to make sure that we give it airtime. So right. tell me that story.
1: Yep. So um, actually, I started working when I was 15. I worked at the grocery store, and uh, after about four years, uh, I, I felt like my growth was kind of limited there. Um, I wasn't really interested in college, and. So I was really just started looking for a new job and I told my my mom that I was unhappy with my job. And, you know, so she actually, uh, found a job for me in the paper. She just kind of like cut out a, this is back in the day of the newspaper. <laughs> she cut a, she cuts a, uh, a listing out for a job and it doesn't have the description of what the job is. It just says, um, uh, you know, it gives, gives a title, it's a boat hand and it says make a hundred dollars a day Has a phone number to call. And so, uh, yeah, I made the phone call, and next thing I know, I'm on a, on a Greyhound bus headed out to New Orleans, and um, man, it's, it's, you know, it's been kind of a crazy ride from there, but that's how I got started in the oil and gas industry. I was 2005. Um,
0: so you were a boat hand. What did that, what did that entail?
1: So uh, and they said I would be a boat hand, and when I, when I got out there, my actual position was doing laundry. Uh, so I, I imagined I would have like a sailor hat and be out on the deck of a, of a, uh, of a boat. You know, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. And, and then they, they throw me in the pit of this boat doing laundry. I was like, Oh man, <laughs> so, um, making, making minimum wage then, uh, back in those days was, uh, five twenty five an hour, Damn. I believe. And, um, but the, the good part about it, we worked a ton of hours and I was able to see what was out there. So obviously, um, you know, nothing wrong with the, with the career path, but I saw what else was there. Doing laundry wasn't the long-term goal. Okay. Uh, so I actually ended up taking that and, and moving on to a drilling company that had their own in-house catering. Uh, so I was able to do laundry on a drilling rig uh, okay. for a little bit more money. Um, and from there, I actually I started going outside on my off time, working with the crane crew, uh, because I wanted to move up. And, and do something different you know eventually so i just wanted to learn a new task so i do that i'm off time and eventually a position became available for me to get outside uh, working with the crane crew all right,
0: all right so you so so you you go in right and and you start working with the like you said the catering service you're still kind of doing some of the same kind of work general labor doing laundry but you started seeing these crane crews that were yep. sit there working so what kind of what kind sparked your 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 your, your interest at that time
1: it, to yeah so um i guess the crane the the working on the you know with the crane crew that was actually um uh, you know that was the the next step to any other thing you wanted to do on the drilling rig uh so if you wanted to be involved in the drilling operation as a floor hand or a roughneck and move up from there into you know be eventually a driller or tool pusher um, or if you wanted to go another route, they have the guys that actually take care of the, you know, the engines on board, the different systems. Um, so in order to get to any of those positions, you had to come up to the crane crew, um, and then you branched out from there. So it was a helper. So like I knew a I had to get position. outside. Right. You know, it's pretty much the, uh, the jack of all trades on board. You work yeah. with the crane, uh, whenever the crane is up and running and when it's not, they got you, you know, doing something else maintenance or, or whatnot, you're, you're always doing something.
0: All right. So you make it into this, into this crew. You're like the, the hand, right? The helper. And you start yeah. work at this point. Like, are you working towards becoming a crane operator or is that, is it like, okay, I at least learn rigging for now and, and see where it goes or, or was it, uh, was there a clear path or was it just, how was that?
1: So I got to say, I, I kind of, um, you know, changed my mind a couple of times. Uh, while i was you know while I was out there on the uh, rig as a uh the position they called that a uh, roustabout where I was helping out with the crane okay. rigging things up and whatnot and I changed my mind a couple of times you know initially, I wanted to go work uh, on the rig floor working as a roughneck um and then I think probably probably after a good year in or so, I realized you know um the crane thing wasn't so bad, <laughs> and the you know I think that the the uh you know the progression from you know being a about to a crane operator, you know the salaries were pretty there was a pretty stark contrast there so yeah, okay. you know and so I mean it, admittedly you know I saw that, and I was like, man, this is something I think I could do um you know, I think I got the dexterity for it, I see what we do every day day in and day, out got a handle on the operation i can I can see myself doing this, and so yeah, after about a year I'd say uh roughly then I decided to uh, focus on getting into crane.
0: Okay. So you started, you you started to work towards or, or got a certification and I know at some point you make it to where you start uh, becoming an instructor. And I don't know that it's necessarily with with this company or if there was some change. So take me through that path and a little bit more about, you know, some of the different crane jobs that you've had and how you made it to this instructor position.
1: Yep. So, um, Back then, I was uh, when I first uh, started working as a roustabout. When I made it out of uh, from doing laundry and moved on to being a roustabout, um, I was working for uh, Transocean at that time. And uh, so I, I worked there for I think a good year and a half or so, almost two years. And I actually got a got a phone call from a staffer. Um, they wanted me to uh, to join a project overseas. Um, they were constructing a new rig in Singapore, and and it sounded like a, you know, it sounded like a, a good time, an adventure to go on. Right. So at that, I think I was 23 ish, 22, or 23. So, yeah, man, I got my passport. I said, sign me up. And I went on out to Singapore uh, to do the same position I was working as a basketball. uh But, yeah, they, they liked me over there. And um, my my supervisor, he brought me up to the crane one day and he asked me, you know, what, hey, what are you trying to do? And when I told him, he uh, he pulled the crane out of the rest and he said, here, man, jump in the seat. I'm gonna show you some things, you know. So uh, that was about a year in, um, on you know working for that company, and you know the rest is history from there. I, I loved it and just stuck with it.
0: So, so let's so let's dig a little bit, man. You kind of just threw it in there like if it's nothing. You went and worked internationally. <laughs> you were gonna go go to Singapore to to work on a project. What was that like, man? Working overseas and. And, and doing life in a, in in a place that wasn't home had you had you had you done that before? Was this your first time?
1: Yeah, that that was my first time. Uh, I really I'd only you know wherever I I drove down from Nebraska to Houston uh, with my parents. That's about all the you know traveling i had done in uh, in life at that point. You know my bus ride out to New Orleans. Um, <laughs> so uh, it it was all new to me.
0: Even flying. Uh,
1: even flying, I, I think I, I flew uh, one time when I was in elementary school. Man, I, I went back to Nebraska to visit my uh, my aunts and cousins, and uh, yeah, that was one time I'd been in an airplane at that point. So you so. picked
0: you picked a hell of a flight to be your first inaugural flight. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, the, the project started up uh, over there in uh, in Singapore, and it actually we were bringing the rig over to the Gulf of Mexico, um, so. Kind of by the long way, I believe that uh, that time you couldn't get that, that rig through the Panama Canal. It's, you know, they're enormous. So we, we go the long way, Indian Ocean, to uh, Mauritius, just uh, kind of like south of, uh, it's like South Africa area. Um, came around the Cape, uh, Cape Horn, wow. I believe it's called, yeah. uh, South Africa. And uh, I actually, I wasn't on board for that trip around the southern tip of Africa. I jumped back on in Namibia, southwest Africa, and rode across the Atlantic. And um, funny enough, I actually, uh, I believe, I, yeah, I started school during that trip from Africa to, uh, we ended up in Curacao, just that northern, right off the northern coast of Venezuela. So right in the middle of the Atlantic, I, I started up at HCC that, that summer.
0: Okay, so now, that's a perfect segue, right? So somewhere in here, because right, we, you know, we, we you currently have a, a petroleum engineering degree, so I want I want to start unraveling that. And it sounds like you're out in the in the middle of the ocean, and, and you're making decisions here. No, maybe not like that, but I mean, <laughs> okay. take, take take me through. Like, first of all, I want to I want to kind of understand why engineering. Let, let's start there. Like, why did you pick engineering? Where did that influence come from? Uh, where you said, "Hey, this is something that I want to pursue."
1: Yep. So, um, initially, my entire reason for going to school uh, was so that I could make a decent living, take care of my daughter. My daughter was just born; uh, that was two thousand seven, so she's a uh, toddler at the time. And so, I'm thinking, I need to, I need to make a way for myself to transition from, you know, living at work six months out of the year to being able to do something that puts food on the table while I'm at home. Okay. And so, um, with that in mind, I just, I was like, I got to go to school. Uh, I have to go to college and figure something out. So I just started taking classes. I, uh, I went out on the HCC, uh, spoke to the counselors and, uh, I told them I needed, I want to take three, uh, three classes and, uh, just really get the ball rolling. Well, they, uh, turns out that I wasn't quite ready for, uh, um, for college algebra when i took my test i actually they recommended remedial um uh, algebra for me so it's a it's not a credit course they just kind of run you through it to give you some basics so wasn't really strong in math to begin with uh funny enough and uh from there i really i took it as a challenge i had a chip on my shoulder you know yeah. You're like you know sir we don't think you should take these all these classes you know and i, I really i felt like i could do it like no nah, sign me up for the classes i'll i'll, I'll make sure i uh you know, I make good grades. I could get through it, and I really wanted to prove myself. So I studied really hard, uh, trying to, you know, to show that I could that I could do the work. That uh, that remedial math class definitely put a chip on my shoulder.
0: No, I, look, and I'm sitting here smiling because I know the pain, man. That's the way it was. The exact same thing for me. Like I went back to school right. when I was 24, 25, and I did that. that well, you know, I show up to the San Antonio College, and they're like, "Well, let's see where you're at," and they're like, mm-hmm. "Man, you can't even count." So.
1: Right, you know. right.
0: <laughs> so I said, "Okay, you gotta." And then at the time, like I was gonna be uh, same like you, man. So I, I had family. That was my motivation to get uh, get something that uh, was stability. So that uh, the word stability is what comes to mind. Because yeah, look, like so you as as a crane operator, we're talking. It's not chum change, you guys. You know, it's it's a, it's a career. There's a there's a lot of, uh, of families that are built on that trade. Uh, and, right. and, and I've met some of the most interesting people, and uh, from at, at, through mechanical and and through you know that through some of these big uh, crane operation companies. Anywho, like it, it's right. not what I'm trying to say. It's it's not it's not a, uh, a, a you know chump change, right? It's not a chump mm-hmm. career. Like it's actually a really great paying industry. But to your point, right? You For can sure. be on the road. You can be away from home. At the time for me, right, I was I was a waiter. I was waiting tables, and I always worked nights or evenings. and And it was like I can't yep. I can't do this with a kid. I need some stability. But yeah, it was like right. go back be a teacher. I take the test, and they say, well, the highest math that you need to take is college algebra. So I was like, I can do it. And yep. I, and, <laughs> uh, and 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 somewhere in there, I switched to uh, engineering, which is, anyways, a, a completely different story. But so you get there, you go, right. you know, yep, you're you're starting to feel this adversity about. Hey, you maybe should be taking all these credits. I love where you said right. you took it like a chip on your shoulder. It was a challenge, but you but yep. you took it on. But so, why engineering though?
1: Yep. So uh, just kind of, I was taking classes again. I wasn't sure what I what I wanted to do, but one thing that I made sure to do was each semester I would sign up for the next math class. Uh, so you know, I took the remedial algebra, then I took college algebra, then I took trigonometry. Um, then I took uh pre uh, pre-calculus uh, and eventually took calculus one. And I think it was after I took calculus one is, uh, you know, I, I did pretty well in the course. And I realized like, Hey, I can do this. You know, it's really not, uh, yeah, I think it's more terrifying. It's kind of, you know, then it, it, it sounds more terrifying in theory than it actually is. Once I got in the classroom and I actually understood the concepts and was doing the work, it, it wasn't so scary anymore. A good friend of mine, uh, He's actually a, uh, he's an engineer at NASA. Uh, we met, I think in 2008, uh, real good guy, man. We're still really close, uh, to this day. And as I was, you know, kind of bumbling along through college, he'd always check in with me, ask me how it's going. And I tell him, yeah, man, I, I knocked out another math class. And the more we got to talking, he's, you know, he kind of is the one that encouraged me. He said, Tyler you got this stuff, man, you, you might as well, you know, give it a shot. Why don't you be an engineer? You can make, you know, you can make a decent wage, you know, take care of your family and, uh, and be at home. And I really never thought of it before that. And after, after a lot of thought, I actually decided that I really love this oil and gas industry that I'm in. They took great care of me, uh, Manny. I, I didn't even have a degree when I, when I came in, you know, and, uh, I was able to, I was able to, you know, earn a, earn a decent salary. And take good care of my family off of that, off of a uh, high school diploma. And so I liked the industry. I liked the, the work we were doing. And I, f- I figured that a good way I could stay connected to the industry, but also uh, transition into a, uh, an engineering position. And I could kind of meld the two. I can be a petroleum engineer, which again, it provides a, you know, a great, a great, uh, you know, salary. You can take care of your family for sure. And then I can stay in an industry doing work that I enjoy doing. So, yeah, that was um, once I had the conversation with him and really kicked the idea around i I came up with uh petroleum engineer
0: hey so so as you're coming up with this and you're and you're saying, hey i'm going to go back to school and you're taking classes, and somewhere in there along the line, you like commit to an engineering in this case petroleum engineering degree take me through or or, or give me a flavor for what it what was your family's reaction or what were they what kind of what kind of uh of uh of, uh, reactions that did your family have?
1: Yep. So, uh, you know, at the time, uh, so yeah, I was, I was married and, uh, you know, my wife, she was very excited about it. Um, you know, and, um, my siblings, they were, they were proud of me and they pushed me along and I have a lot of friends of mine. It's just like family, you know, I've been down in uh, Missouri city for so long and people that are around me, they're really just like family. A lot of people I just grew up with, those are brothers of mine. So, uh, everybody everybody in my circle they're really proud of me and you know they were they were happy I was heading in that direction uh, you know my my father was proud of me and uh, I know my mother would have been proud of me. I actually I actually lost my mother uh, 2007 mm. but um, yeah man she you know she'd always uh, you know she believed I was a I was a pretty intelligent guy and could uh, go to college she tried to encourage me to do it and you know, I told her, you know, hey, I'm, you know, working in the oil field. I don't know if I necessarily need to, but uh, no. Once I once I made up my mind on that, I knew she would be
0: proud of me. That's good, man. Because I hear, you know, I heard like, you know, other non-traditional stories, and to me, that support is key, right? That support of of those yep. family and friends to say, you know, hey, we believe in you, or hey, how can we help? Uh, what can we do? I know for me. Uh, first and foremost, if like my if my wife, had, you know, at, I say at the time we're still married, but if she at the time didn't have my back, this could have gone a completely different way, right? I mean, it was yeah, it was sure. two of us, it was another a uh, child that was involved. If it was like I could very easily see where maybe if we hadn't uh, you know been blessed enough to have a longer term vision that perhaps i would have committed to restaurant management or something like that as a because right, it, or, right. or or more management at the at the auto repair shop i was working at like that it could have easily gone that way if family had had not been there to uh, support, right, like the babysitting. Anyways, uh, let's just call it support. Uh, and I'm not just talking. I'm not talking necessarily financial. It was just all the moral support, and and especially when there was kids involved. So I just yep. I, I wanted to ask you that because I want I think it's important if you're if some anybody's listening or 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 and and you're a family member, if somebody's trying to do a non traditional path. Don't underestimate your the power of your words, of your actions, in supporting that uh, that individual. So. You're you're, yeah. you're you're working still in industry. You're you're still developing and and, and working through this career as a crane operator and, and 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 living in that industry. But you're doing school at the same time. So slow walk me through that. I mean, you're at your. How do you manage classes? How do you manage uh, work and family? Right. You said you said you mentioned you had a daughter.
1: Yeah. Um, a lot of the days on the especially at work, I think, were with a harder day so actually being on the oil rig so uh for for anybody that doesn't know uh, how um how rotations go how your work schedule uh looks when you're working on an oil rig uh typically people work a 2 week on the rig 2 week off rotation uh in my case I was doing a uh, 4 week on 4 week off rotation uh so that that 4 weeks on the rig that was probably the most difficult because uh, you have a 12-and-a-half-hour a work shift, and then, you know, you have to squeeze in all of your studying, get all your homework done, uh, you know, get any assignments turned in, whatever's due for school, that all has to happen, and your 12-hour off time. And you want to try to manage to get some sleep at the same time. So, uh, you know, obviously, it cut into my sleep quite a bit. The guys, they thought it was hilarious, you know, they make fun of me. You know, it's all in good in, in you know, it was all in good uh good natured fun, you know. Uh the guys would say, Oh man, look at Tyler, he uh he he probably caught a nap today, man, two or three hours of sleep. And it was the absolute truth because there were nights where I would go and I would stand up in my room and study until, you know, nine or ten o'clock, having to be back out on the uh on the deck at eleven thirty. So, um but yeah, there was a lot of days where, you know, it just required a lot of time, obviously. And there's not a whole lot of off time uh, when you're out there working, trying to get some rest. And but uh, when I got home, it was a lot easier. So I'd be off from work. I'm, not, you know, I don't only obligations. You know, look out for the kiddos and you know, uh, spend some time with them. But not working 12 and a half hours, you know, so it's a, uh, it's not quite as difficult.
0: So it's um, like it was like a roller coaster, right? I mean, and not to say that it was peaches and green, but you know, maybe home was easier. But yeah, like you said, you still had to manage the. You know, being there for, for for the kids and the family and and so on, but still also maintaining some sort of a of a schedule because you know that you got to get back at it right And when the yep. other four yep. weeks uh, come around. So it sounds like this was you know I said sounds like I know this from our conversation earlier, but this was a a, a remote student program, right? So tell yeah, me, correct. tell yeah. me, t- tell me a little bit about the program. It sounds you know I know you started HCC uh, t- t- and right. just tell me a bit about the program that you participated in.
1: Yep. So, uh, again, I, I really didn't know uh, what I was going to school for until uh, probably about, uh, I think I was about three semesters in or so um, and, until I figured it out. And what I did, I would look at the, uh, I wasn't on any particular degree program with, uh, with HCC. What I was doing is just kind of looking at uh, U of H's requirements for their uh, petroleum engineering program because I wanted to transfer over there um, eventually and join their program. So I would look at what their requirements were and try to just knock out what I could at HCC. Okay. Uh, so, um, I took all my basics, uh, there at, um, at, uh, HCC. And I, I want to say when I got to, uh, the University of Houston, I was probably, um, man, honestly, I probably only fulfilled maybe my, uh, freshman year criteria because it's just, you know, you come in the door at U of H and there's no credit for the, you know, until you, you know, for math classes, until you get to calculus one. Right. So there's a lot of classes I took that didn't necessarily apply to my degree, but, uh, okay. but yeah, so uh, by 2011, I transferred in with a few credits. I think they gave me 28 credits actually uh, upon completion of an associate of science from H- uh, HCC.
0: Okay. So you get to university of Houston and you started at that point Were you, was it, were you still working, uh, studying remotely or were you able to go to classes at U of H?
1: Yeah. So what I did was actually, uh, my wife, she finished up, uh, school that, uh, the same time I ended up, uh, beginning at U of H. So that summer of 2011, uh, well, that May of 2011, she finished up, uh, at Texas Southern. And then I finished my associate of science, uh, that August in the summer. And what I ended up doing, I actually, uh, I came home as basically uh you know, I was looking out taking care of her while she finishes up school and so we kinda switched roles. When she graduated, I came home and uh started going to school full time in uh twenty eleven.
0: Got it. Okay. So you so you left yeah. that that uh that road that road life essentially.
1: Yep. I did, yep. I did. Uh so that was uh that was August of twenty eleven and uh I still I still worked a uh, a part time job in the evening. Uh, but yeah, it was at that point I was really focused fully on school, trying to trying to knock out a uh, you know petroleum engineering degree really as quickly as possible. Okay. Yeah. And so um, fast forward, it didn't it didn't actually work out that way. Uh, you know that program was actually going to take me quite a bit longer than I had planned. Uh, you know I was hoping that with a two year degree I'd have maybe two years left. Uh, but like I said, I, I think I transferred in with 28 hours from from HCC, so uh, really not a whole lot of credit at all, and and it was going to take quite a while. I think the way the program was structured, everything during the day, I was going to have to, you know, stay working part time jobs in the evenings uh, for probably the next three and a half, four years to okay. finish up. And uh, so at that point, I kind of looked at it as like, man, this isn't really this isn't really sustainable. I can't stay. At a, you know, working part time that long. You know, so I started game planning for, uh, you know, started uh, game planning, you know, plan B really at that point. All
0: right. So let's pause there. Cause I want to make sure I, I, I'm understanding a, a portion of this story. Right. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to try and, and summarize something. And I want you to, to, to kind of correct me if I'm wrong. So you, you, when you started to look into, Hey, going in, going back to school, like it, it, you were doing meeting with some people at HCC and you still were trying to figure out what exactly, like, program you were wanting to commit to. So you were taking classes that, that you saw had some direct, like, correlation to a U of H degree. But what I, I guess what I want to clarify is, were you aware that you were taking classes that didn't necessarily knock off some of those engineering hours? Or was that kind of a, a surprise uh, for, say, once you finally made it to U of H?
1: No, I, I was aware of it. Okay. Um, like I said, mostly, mostly the, you know, the math portion. I knew that I wasn't going to get any credit for any math classes I took prior to Calculus One. But, you know, the truth of the matter was I needed every bit of those classes to prepare me for Calculus One. Okay. Um, so I was fine with, with taking all of those. Um, wasn't super surprised when I got there. Uh, in terms of, you know, how long it was, well, I guess as far as, um, you know, not getting credit for the math classes and whatnot. But um, I think when it really sank in was when I realized that it was going to take me more than four years. I thought it was, you know, I'd, I'd heard four year degree. I figured, you know, four years, you, you know, you, you graduate. And I realized when I sat down and, you know, really check, you know, check side by side where I was at and where I needed to be, that it was going to be a much longer process. And I think the program was pretty new at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to say, uh, it was two or three years old at the time and they had a pretty, uh, it was a, there was a pretty strict way they wanted you to go through the classes and the way that we mapped it out, it was, it was going to definitely be longer than a four year degree for me. I was actually going to spend another three and a half years, maybe four there at U of H going through that program. Yeah, and,
0: and the reason I wanted to dig in, cause I, as you were talking, like it took me back, man. Like I remember, remember I, well, for me, I had gone back to school to be a teacher. So I had spent probably about a year. Maybe two semesters, right? Let's call it two semesters where I was working towards an education degree, right? With that come some classes that have nothing to do even to a transfer program for engineering. And so, you know, when I made the swap, uh, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't fully appreciate as far as the number of – well. Let me back. I knew that there was some classes in the remedial math classes I was taking maybe weren't going to count. Uh, even for education, the first one that counted mm-hmm. was algebra. But what I didn't have an appreciation for was just how many years of actual math, right? I was right. going to have to right. take uh, in order to become a mechanical engineer. So for me, it's yeah. like I was discovering this. I had already committed. I had already kind of told my wife I'm switching majors, and then I'm starting to like do the math and be like, oh crap, like. If I don't do something right, uh, I might not graduate in some in some reasonable, reasonable time. Right. And so I made my adjustments. Right, right. And so I guess I kind of want to get now. There was a pivot point where you're like, ah, you start to realize that's not the way that it's going to go. So you pivoted. Right. Take me through that. So then 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 what happened?
1: Yep. So um, I've been in school for about a year at that point, and And uh, let's see. Yeah, it was 2012 2012 and i realized like you know this isn't going to this isn't going to work uh you know for another you know 2 years 3 years like i got to um i have to go back to work full time you know cuz you know my you know my my wife she was doing she was doing what she could and it, it just wasn't exactly a crane operator salary and uh so i was like you know i got to figure something out i'm actually i'm going to go back out to the rigs and uh you know i'll just have to figure it out from there and really didn't have a game plan on, you know, how I was going to finish up an engineering degree. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, now that I think about it, so the director of that program at the time, man, what a, he was a really, really nice guy, uh, and, uh, Thomas Holly. And I remember Dr. Holly, he sat down with me. Um, I took one of his classes, uh, Reservoir Petrophysics. And great guy. He would, uh, you know, he basically let me, go to work on the rig, come home, take his class. Times when I was at, I was out on the rig, he would uh, he would send my things out to me. And even if I had an exam, you know, he would send it out to the rig for me to have it proctored uh, by, by a department supervisor. So he really worked with me uh, trying to help me get through the program, understanding I need to take care of my family and I'm back out on the rig. Um, and as much as I appreciated his help, it was such a, it was such a headache for him. You know, I, I couldn't imagine how am I going to, you know, convince every other teacher, you know, that I'm going to encounter and finishing this degree to do what Dr. Ali was doing for me. And it was really unrealistic. So at that point in 2013, uh, I actually just hung it up. I didn't have a game plan at that point. Okay. You know, I thanked everybody there and I, uh, yeah, I took off from school and, you know, I was just going to figure it out from there.
0: So you hit pause you said, okay, you know what? I got to get maybe not even regroup, just, I got to get back to work. (laughs) I got family to take care of. Yeah. That's
1: number one. Yeah. Got to take care of the kids, you know, take care of, uh, take care of the family. Uh, That's, uh, that's numero uno. And the other things could fall in place uh, if they can fall in place. So
0: so when you got back out to the rig, did you come in, uh, had you lost any traction or were you able to kind of roll into the, you know, get, get back up to that level of salary or responsibility? Did you have a different, outlook on what you wanted to do what was that like
1: and so i was really blessed that i was able to get right back in to the same position you know that i left uh so i came back in as an assistant uh crane operator and uh you know they they took me in over there at cedro and i was able to get back to doing what i was doing and you know the the equipment you know is very similar i uh, started out on a knuckle boom crane uh, and then we also had a uh, lattice boom cranes. just different types of cranes that, you know, that I was learning on, on my previous rig. And so, uh, you know, we also had a knuckle boom and lattice boom cranes on this rig. So it's it was all the same. I was able to just jump right back in.
0: Okay. But the itch didn't leave. I guess somewhere in the back of your head, you're like, I still want to do this. So how, how, do, how did we get to the point where you returned to school or found a solution that uh, might work?
1: Um, so I actually, uh, you know, I guess at that point in time we were having a, a hard time with, uh, scheduling with some, with some of our positions on the rig floor. So, um, they would have vacancies pretty frequently up there and they'd need, need someone to fill them. And so a lot of times would end up happening after I'd worked my, I was on a three week rotation at this point, uh, what ended up happening a lot of times was at the end of my three weeks they would ask if I could stay over and work on the rig floor as a floor hand for a week just to cover, you know? And so, yeah, naturally I would do it. No problem. Um, and working on the floor, gosh, man, this is, you know, I actually enjoy myself and uh, you know, seeing some of the things I was learning about in the classroom, you know, seeing it up up close and personal, you know, it was, um, you know, knowing what's going on from a different perspective. I enjoyed that. And so it got the, you know, I guess you could say that it kind of, uh, lit the fire again. It's like, man, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta finish up, you know? So, um, anyways, I started looking around, uh, this was in 2014, you know, I started Googling one day. I was actually ready to take a nap. I remember I was home uh, from work, getting ready to hop in the bed, take a nap and uh, with my wife, man. And, uh, anyway, I, um, something told me, it's like, man, check out a, uh, see if there's an online program that you can do and I'd looked before, and there wasn't, you know, that I knew of. So I was like, well, let man, me, let, me, let me check it out. So I started Googling around, and I, I found an online program, you know, an online bachelor's in petroleum engineering. And, you know, I, I thought it was maybe some kind of gimmick, so I followed up on it. Um, but, yeah, it turns out that it was, it was uh, you know, a legitimate four-year degree um, in petroleum engineering uh, offered at the University of North Dakota. So I was fired up again. I, uh, you know, got enrolled.
0: So you find this program that's an online program and uh, did, w- when you were talking with the, I guess the university is uh, like, why, why did they, or do you know why they even went down the path of, of, of providing an online program? Was there a local need or was there a grant that facilitated that? Did you ever, do, do you know any details like that?
1: No, I'm not familiar to be, to be honest. Um, you know, I I just saw they, they offered it online. I was a happy camper. You it, know,
0: um, it, I get it. I makes yeah. it makes sense, right? You here was a a a a solution to something that was going to kind of work with what you had going on in your life. So now you're doing this online program, okay? And so it's no longer the you know remedial math or the you know the 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 you know the history class or whatever the basic core classes that you're trying to do online now you're starting to get at some point you get into these you know uh the true engineering courses that yeah. and and i imagine like in petroleum engineering just like any other engineering discipline like the further along in the program that you get the smaller the class is because some of the material just you just can't manage it with the you know a, a theater room full of uh, of students but, uh, so what was that like? I mean, what was it like for you to start taking these, these petroleum engineering classes and having to do it remotely without the, say the local support of a professor or, a, or, a, or a study group or, or things like that nature that yeah. somebody might traditionally have available to them as a student.
1: Right. So a lot of times when I, when I tell people about, you know, um, going to school online, even the HCC program and, um, and, and everything else, people will say, you know, I don't know how you do it. You know, i got to be in the classroom to be engaged and otherwise it, it just won't get done. And I'm kind of the opposite. Um, I, I think it's because I went through school initially uh, through HCC remotely having to teach myself out of a book. I'm, I'm honestly more comfortable with opening up a textbook, you know, getting it figured out, reading the material, doing some practice problems and then getting to work uh, that's, that's my preferred method of doing things. Uh, so this online, you know, working remotely, uh, this actually works out for me, you know, it's a, it, it was a strength, you know, I guess you could say rather than, than, uh, than a weakness. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I mean, you, you, you were kind of geared for it, like you had done it, right. It sounds like you had done it and you, you, you had figured out a way to do it and to stay engaged and, and so on. And look, I want to kind of yep. touch base and we, we, we kind of had this, uh, during the pre-conversation but I, I now for context when i first heard or read about your story it was through a Nesby posting right so last year when you, right. uh, in december when you graduated if uh, if uh, those of you that follow Nesby like they do a great job doing these graduate highlights and so i see you know your picture you know in cap and gown and and there was the, you know, it had a, a snippet of your story that talked about, you know, yeah. your, your a, a bit about being a crane operator and and just having this non-traditional story. So it kind of caught my attention. So, and, and we talked yeah. before this, right. And you said, Hey man, you know, my, my Nesby story is brief, but I kind of want to to hear again, like what, what, what was your, when did you hear about Nesby and what did it mean for you to engage with Nesby? Yep. Uh,
1: so uh, my buddy that I, that I mentioned to you is a, uh, He's an engineer at NASA, so he was a member of Nesby when he was at Penn State. Uh, another good friend of mine, uh, he's a, a structural engineer. He was a member of Nesby at Penn State as well. Uh, so they're the ones that told me about the uh, about the you know about NSBE and really the the benefits of working with others on you know working with others in general. As they saw how I was, where I would go, and you know, I was kind of programmed to to learn things by myself and do things by myself. So they're the ones that really kind of uh, promoted me, or uh, they prompted me rather to uh, go and seek out uh, others to you know study with and to you know just to you know just to engage with others in my classroom. And uh, another way to do that is through Nesby, and you know just these are other people that are on the same track as you, uh, and it, you know good resources they can point you in the right direction when you when you need a hand. And so uh, I joined up with Nesby when I was at the University of Houston. And as a matter of fact, once I left and went on to UND, I guess just being separated, not being on a campus uh, anymore, I really didn't uh, didn't look too far into, uh, you know, if there was Nesby offered on uh, University of North Dakota's campus. And I think it was uh, approaching my senior year is when I started thinking more about it. I was like, you know, I need to get involved. Uh, to be engaging more with, with others, you know, doing remote work is great. Being able to uh, do school online is, you know, for my situation, but probably not the most beneficial in terms of networking, knowing people, um, you know, and just having resources like that. So.
0: No, but Uh, like, but like we had talked about before, right. And I wanted you to share that because it's like you, you you were, you were in a unique situation, right. Being on traditional and doing this remotely, but like the even with your brief involvement with Nesby at U of H, but also hearing from other friends that you had that were involved, like you knew the value, if anything, looking into the to to a group like Nesby uh, for uh, as a resource to kind of help you in whatever in whatever way that it could. And so, and when we talked, and the thing that was in the back of my head was that look, there's different levels of involvement, and not everyone has to be. The president, but at the very least, like understand that what the value this type of student organization can bring to your portfolio, right? right. To, to for just from meeting somebody uh, and especially in this day and age now uh, with all the virtual interactions we're going to have to do, like networking right. and getting to talk to somebody. It, the the involvement opens the door. Look, here's I mean, here here's here's one testament to it. The only reason I know your story or knew about you was because of a of a, of a Nesby posting and how you ended up on the Nesby uh, the Nesby content. Well, that's a story in itself, right? Like, I'm just saying, it right. opens right. up it opens up uh, possibilities of networking and. And talking and and so on. So I just again, I I, sure. I wanted to. I know you were, you you know you were you were saying, hey, it's not. I wasn't uh, an officer or anything, but I did want to again make sure that people heard that even even in your remote unique situation, you still had an understanding and appreciation for it. So you start, yeah, you know, sure. you're you're working through this degree and and you graduated, man. So tell let let's let's relive the happiness, man. What was it like for you to, after all the after having you know started and, and getting motivated by your daughter and then having to hang it up for a little bit and getting back to it and finding a solution that worked, what was it like for you to finally be graduated as a petroleum engineer?
1: Man, uh, it's indescribable, man. It was such a, such a long road, such a long journey. Um, you, you can imagine, you know, in, in 10 years time, you know, a lot of life happens, man. Um, you know, and, you know, just having, you know, reflecting back on everything that I had gone through. I had a lot of reasons to stop, you know, uh, but man, I was, you know, once I got there and, and, and realized I graduated, I was super thankful that I, that I stayed the course. Um, it's it's funny because my, my daughter, she actually, uh, you know, she just turned 10 and this is before her, her birthday. She tells me out of the blue, she's like, dad, I'm so proud of you. She's mm-hmm. nine, you know, I'm like, what? I was like, oh, okay, thank you. She's like, no, really, dad you know, not only did you go to school, you know, but you, you chose a tough degree, you know, and you did that while you were raising us. And I think that's really great, dad. I'm really proud of you. I'm like, man, and that that really hit me right in the heart, man. It's like, and so, you know, people ask me if I'm, if I'm worried about, you know, what comes of the, you know, the uh, oil and gas industry as a petroleum engineer They just graduated probably, you know, one of the worst times you could have, you know, you could have (laughs) picked to graduate. And I feel like mission accomplished because my kids saw me and saw the adversity I faced. Uh, you know, and I stayed the course, man. I never did, uh, you know, I never did quit. You know, it was, it, I had some, I had some moments there where I had to hit the pause button, you know, mm-hmm. uh, matter of fact, uh, you know, there were, there was another pause there, uh, late 2014 through, uh, 2015. Matter of fact, I didn't get back in, uh, the classroom again till 2017. Uh, you know, so. Actually, yeah, there's a lot of life happening, man. Uh, so having crossed that finish line, Manny, uh, meant the world to me, you know, oh, and uh yeah. again, man, having, having, you know, the kids have seen that and they saw what it takes to, you know, in order to get across the finish line and they have an example of it in front of them, mission accomplished, you know, and that, and that, if they take that with them, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And if nothing else comes of it, I'm okay with that.
0: And that's huge, right? So you just talked about and 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 the changing the trajectory of that family tree, right? So, yeah, for for me, like that was as a, as a Latino, like that was a huge deal, right? Like the fact that my kids, uh, first of all, like if you look at my, and look, I am proud of my family tree and what my parents accomplished yeah. as as immigrants to this country and and you know and and working through getting citizenship and residency, and then right. my dad, like going from being a cab driver to now a small business owner and just seeing what he he accomplished. But if we look at the, at the, at, at other parts of the family tree, like there's a lot of proud laborers and proud, you know, yep. but, but the, but the, the, and, and again, not to say that there's anything, absolutely. Like I want to reiterate, I'm proud of where I come from, but there's not a lot of doctors, engineers, yep. lawyers, and so on. And and there wasn't any advice yep. that I could really get from my parents when it came to going to college. And so right. I agree, like my kid, like just the fact that I feel like the trajectory of the family tree has changed on account of me being an engineer. I agree with you, man. Like even for you. And of course I, I know, I, and I believe the way you're saying it. Yes. I want you to be able be able to eventually get into industry, but you're right. Like if your kids, if anything, your kids have a, a sense, especially at, you know, as you were saying at the time, as, as a nine, 10 year old, like man, yep. you 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 won. <laughs> I don't care what yeah, happens. I agree with you. Sure. Like you won, so yeah, uh, that, that man, that's amazing. As amazing to hear. And and again, you dropped another subtle one, and and we talked about this one uh, beforehand. Like, uh, and we're gonna hit it. We're gonna hit it face on. Like you're absolutely correct. As a petroleum engineer, as if life hasn't thrown you enough curveballs already. And look, you've been successful to continue playing. Uh, you know, playing in, within the game, but they threw you another one, man. 2020, uh, has been a nightmare, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, and, and absolutely anyone who's in the oil and gas industry, especially upstream. And even as in, especially as, as a something as specific as a petroleum engineer, this probably is one of the worst times to be graduating.
1: So. Yeah, man. Uh, I couldn't agree with you further, man. And, um, you know, actually I ran across a, uh, a guy last year um, I took my kids kayaking and the guy that that runs the kayaking uh, the little kayaking spot there uh, we got to talking and it turns out he was a grad in 82 from UT Mm -hmm. and um, you know unfortunately man he 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 never got started you know and uh, but yeah man that was a sobering moment you know so uh, seeing how the oil and gas industry has been over the past few years and then talking to him uh, you know last year I knew that was a reality coming out of it, but um, you know, I had my, I had a focus, you know, that I wanted to finish this degree, you know, at, you know, at any cost. So I'm going to finish up regardless of, uh, you know, how the industry looks now, hopefully things turn around, um, you know, and I, I think they will at some point, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's 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 a it's a rough industry. It's cyclical, and you know that going in. And it's so yeah. unfortunately, We're just kind of in one of those down times right now. It comes with the it just kind of comes with the business.
0: So what are you hearing out there? I mean, as you're as you know, just and again, I don't think that we're going to have any solutions here. But I think there's solace in knowing that you know you're you're not the only one, right? Or I say you, the listener, isn't the only one if you're in this situation. But like, what are you hearing when you uh, or are you hearing at all when you're reaching out to companies to to get into this industry right now?
1: Uh, yeah, cricket. Down. Crickets. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, you know, and I've, I've reached out and spoken to a couple people. I actually, um, you know, I want to say this was in. Um, this might have been in May. Uh, I reached out to a to a company local here to uh, Sugar Land, and uh, anyway, I do have some, you know, I have some spare hours in the evenings now that I'm not busy doing schoolwork, and so I, I I figured, hey, I'll do a little volunteering. You know, I'll just I'll just offer my I obviously wasn't able to do a traditional internship. Um, got to keep the lights on, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I just uh, figured I'd offer up my services. Don't worry about paying me. It's a tough time for everybody. I get it. You know? So, um, the guy was confused. He didn't know. He's like, why, why would you want to, you know, just to get some experience, man. It's, you know, I can help you. You can help me. And, um, you know, I've been having a hard time offering free service lately, you know, and coronavirus hasn't made things any easier on that front, you know, but, um yeah. I've, uh, I've submitted, uh, man, so many applications since, uh, since January and I haven't gotten a, a single call, you know? Yeah. And so I would say probably, uh, these last three weeks, man, I haven't submitted an, uh, an application. It's not something that I'm really like focusing really hard on, and you know, just, just trying to stay in touch with people, um, touch base with people so they don't forget about me. Uh, but as far as like, uh, you know, the applications, they're few and far between anyways, but I haven't been focusing real hard on those,
0: man. And look, and, and, and again, I, I don't offer any solutions. And maybe the obvious question is like, hey, well, Manny, why are you asking you work in industry? Don't you know the answer to this? Well, I mean, I know <laughs> our I know our story. And look, and, and part of me doing this podcast, there is a delicate balance between Manny De La Cruz, the, the mechanical engineer that's out here to help people. And, you know, Manny De La Cruz, the ExxonMobil employee, right? There is some differences right, there. Right. And so, but look, right. I can but I am encouraged all the time. And I love where I work to like, hey, share your story and, and you know, and, 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 and just know that, hey, Manny, I'm not, Manny Dela Cruz is, I'm not talking for ExxonMobil recruiting here. But right. I'm talking right. as a person that works in industry, like, yeah, it's a tough time. Like the bottom yep. fell out for the industry, uh, yes, the, the you hear people that kind of compare this to that. What was it, two thousand eight, two thousand nine? To be honest with you, I had no idea that was that. In two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I was trying to pay <laughs> pay the bills working at a, at a restaurant. So the, right. the recession of the time, like it, it meant nothing. I'd been broke before, and I, as far as I knew, I was going to be broke again. Like so, it's right. funny. Like now, I'm hearing about two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I'm like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but, but I mean, I was right, living, right. A, I was living a different life. You know what I mean? And so, anyway, exactly. so I don't have reference there, but. Even when people compared it to what happened in 2008, 2009, it's still like, oh, but this is even worse. And I look at the data, and it's unprecedented, yep. and and it, and it involves this uh, this uh, coronavirus, and 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 I think you kind of mentioned you said, hey, where the industry has been going for the last couple of years, like we already knew, or if you're in industry, you knew that 2020 was going to be a little different because there was already a supply demand thing going between just globally, right? The amount of oil that was right. coming out of the Permian, the amount of oil that's coming out of traditional, let's just call it traditional places, right? Middle East and right. and, and Russia. Like there was, there was just, there was a, I wouldn't call it a storm, but there was like maybe a, a, a cloud developing, right? That we knew something was going to happen. And so right before we even got into this COVID thing, like, you know, globally, folks were trying to figure out what to do through OPEC and all that. And then this Corona right. thing comes and then it just all fell apart. Right. So you may yeah. you know, to make yeah. matters worse, like economies collapse and then it's just a domino effect. And it, it always like drops faster than it recovers. And you talked about the industry being cyclical and that's important for people to hear like oil and gas and, and, and the, I, and I'll just call it energy because it also involves petrochemical and in manufacturing will right. have its up and downs. And especially anybody that's in the upstream uh, that's something that is very uh common right folks are you know yep. i've been hearing you know friends and other podcasts or other people that i know or connections through linkedin like that work for in, in upstream and they're like here we go again right they yep. they, they know yeah, sure. how they know how to operate in a, in a in a in an industry where you get there's layoffs and furloughs and stuff but even then they're like oh this is different. So I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of yep. giving a little context for listeners like to say, Hey, this is different. So what does that mean? Whenever a company who just had their, let's just call it, whatever the business plan was last year, what you thought you were going to do this year probably isn't happening. And you're yep. even now, and here we are recording this, it's the end of June. Companies are still trying to figure out what's going to happen this summer and how fast you recover. And so in yep. the, backdrop is that fall recruiting season and it's like for a lot of people it's like we don't even know the full details of what that's going to look like
1: right right Right? so yeah
0: sure so it's not just maybe in the and i know we're focusing on petroleum engineering just because of the industry but right now if you're a graduate uh and unless you're going to go work for one of these these industries that survive like the you know the the hand sanitizer and the the wipey and soap people (laughs) Like, unless right. you're going to go work for them, like, everyone else is still trying to figure out which way's up. So, oh, for sure. Again, this wasn't oh,
1: I, a strange time right
0: now. Yeah, I wasn't going to offer any solutions, but I think it's like we're talking about, if anything, for people maybe that aren't aware of what the heck is happening and maybe they don't know even where to go read or what to look at. Like, there's probably some homework to be done to understand the situation that you might be in. Now, for you, you have kind of a backup okay. yep. plan. <laughs> right? Yeah. I guess maybe, yeah. maybe the t- true and tested, uh, backup plan. So what are you doing right now?
1: Yeah. So I'm a crane operator. Um, uh, okay. I work for a, uh, for a small crane company here in Houston. And, uh, you know, this is more, this is more, I guess, uh, construction, uh, related, I guess you could say. Um, not so much, you know, the oil and gas industry. Um, you know, so it's, it's pretty basic stuff. I mean, I do a lot of, um, I put a lot of air conditioners up on top of buildings, uh, HVAC, things like that. We do, uh, we do some framing, uh, working with different, uh, you know, construction companies and things like that, hanging iron. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, so now I'm pretty much all construction now. And, you know, what ended up being my, the thing that, you know, just to hold me down until I got my degree, that's actually the thing that's going to continue to hold me down, you know, for the time being, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that, in that aspect but yeah, I'm a, I'm a crane operator now. And, and uh, so intend on being a one until, until I'm able to move into an engineering position.
0: Yeah. And I think for you, I mean, you have such an impactful story, man. And I think, you know, the, 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 uh, the preparation that you, you are probably doing is just like fine tuning that story to where, you know, come interview time, right. You're able to, to knock yep. it out of the park or, or whatnot. So look, man. And right. I, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm hearing your story and and a lot of it for the first time, I did want to make sure that I captured it fresh as part of recording. I always like it this way, uh, better than having, you know, just rehashing a conversation. So, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking like, man, you, you have such an impactful narrative. I think packaging will be key. And certainly if you have any questions or if, if, if you want me to help you work through some of that while we wait for things to settle, like uh, let's do it right. Like that way I can hear more about your story and, and also, kind of see what strategies we could possibly take to, to, to work because there might be different angles. I'll tell you, there's probably I'm pretty sure that all petroleum engineers aren't necessarily working just in an upstream, right? Maybe there's some indirect type of work that we don't even know about uh, that right, we can maybe right. find out and and maybe share with uh, with others. As as I say, you know, as, as you're discovering it, and as and as I'm discovering
1: it, but right, right. You know, and one thing, I, if I can just, just kind of throw that out there. Um, you know, like I said, this, what, what was, you know, intended to just hold me down while I got a degree. This, this is actually my lifeline now. Um, you know, so there's, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they've come out of school, they graduated and there may not be much for you right now. Um, man, I encourage you to keep on trying and, and be flexible. You know, find something to do that can just keep the lights on and try to keep your skills current. You know, and uh, and hang on until things do turn around because it's a matter of time. But things are probably are, are going to definitely turn around. You know, so um, you know, you can't be adverse to, you know, I ended up, you know, I'm running a crane, like I said, as a backup plan almost. You know, There's a weird place I ended up in, but that's that's where I'm at. And you know, whatever that might be for you, whatever it is that you have to do to, you know, to get by until you get that job you're looking for, just do it. You know, do do, do what you can. You know, to keep going until uh, until things turn around.
0: No, for sure, man. Look, that's certainly one thing that you and I both agree in uh, on, and that uh, this too shall pass. Uh, this yeah. industry is not going away overnight. Um, uh, anywho, and we can we can leave it at that. If someone's curious as to why, like I could talk for another hour as to why oil and gas and petrochemicals not going away. Uh, but you can do some of your own research if you want by looking at like energy outlook reports. There's all the majors put their own out, but you also have if, – if you want to say, well, yeah, of course, ExxonMobil is going to say that this is going to happen, but you could compare it to Shell and Chevron and, and, and right. so on. But the EIA, right, so government agencies and other – there's other global equivalents that put out their own independent studies about what does, what are the energy needs of the world – between now and say several decades and there is while they might maybe some volumes or or maybe some of the numbers might differ but the trends essentially that say yeah. hey people are going to need certain things as the world develops that part is common uh however you slice it so anyways uh that's my two cents there there's some there's definitely some something to be said about the longevity of the industry and i'm with you man this too yep. shall pass and and i love your your optimism and I think your your background has told you in a way for for this, and I look forward to like staying connected and and seeing where this uh journey ends so Tyler look man I want to thank you for being so open for coming up here and and just telling us your story and and, and even being being vulnerable enough to say like and I don't know which way it's going to go right now, but at least uh, putting it out there. Cause I think that uh, it's, it's that it'll be just as impactful for somebody to hear that as opposed to us sure. having spent the last hour talking tactics and, and actual solutions. Cause the reality is right now, there's a lot of, I don't know. And sometimes that yep. is what it is and it's okay.
1: Right. No, agreed, man. And hey, Manny, uh, thank you again. I appreciate you reaching out, man. Uh, it was great connecting with you and, uh, no, definitely going to stay in touch with you.
0: Well, perfect, man. Thanks again for, for coming on.
1: All right, thanks again, man. All right.